0: Ever since I was a young fella, I've always loved the outdoors with that sense of adventure calling. That adventure has become my life's passion that I love to share. Hey there, I'm Paul Burt. Come with me and let me share the experiences I've learned over the years, along with some pretty cool tips and tricks, as we step outside. Step outside. It's a big good morning to everybody or whatever you might be doing around the beautiful eastern seaboard of ours. And of course, uh, you know, today's show, we showcased catching tuna with Timmy the Tuna, a.k.a. Fish Guy, a.k.a. Tim. I can't give you his last name because he'll get inundated with probably bad calls. But he is online with us right now. Timmy Tuna, Fish Guy. Welcome aboard to the Step Outside podcast. How are
1: you, buddy? Morning, everyone, and I'm very happy to be here uh, talking about our famous little skipjack tuna.
0: Mate, they're a lot of fun, aren't they? Because uh, you've got to say, to start with, uh, this whole week we've seen so much water coming through across the eastern seaboard that it's been really hard to uh, to understand how much water has fallen, uh, particularly when we're talking a system that's stretching from the far northern parts of Australia all the way down into the deep Tasman through to, Tasman- uh, to New Zealand. So, mate, there's a lot of rain, um, still more to come. But um, that 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 sort of, I guess, reflects on fishing afterwards as well, doesn't it? Because anyone wanting to get out there and have a crack, how are we gonna? How does that hurt or help the tuna in a couple of weeks?
1: Well, look, it all comes down to water temperature, really. Uh, you know, the fact is that we have this really nice warm current flowing down the eastern seaboard, and you know, as you said, this this system has been passing through over this last week, and then the next three or four or five days to come you know all that water is going to be flushing out but what that will create out on the wider grounds you know uh, in 50 meters of water, you're going to get some type of temperature inversion where you've got you know the, the cooler water that's being flushed out of all the rivers meeting up with a warm water coming down the coast And like that's the perfect recipe to create big bait schools and as you know, Wherever there's bait, there's going to be fish eating those bait. So that's where we've got to head.
0: Mate, fishing the local grounds at times when you come out of, say, the seaway or a coastal bar, anywhere, is that you'll see birds diving, particularly on the run out tide. And generally, that's when the water's dirtier, obviously. And they yep. work those current lines at the back end. And whether we're talking striped yeah. tuna, skipjack tuna, you know, mac tuna, and of course, uh, even bonito, all the way through to small yellowfin. Mate, um, do you think after the rain it's going to help or will it, um, you know, that'll just be pushed further out to sea?
1: Look, it'll it'll definitely help. It'll hinder in close if there's a fair bit of chocolate water, what we call chocolate water, the, yeah. the dirty water runoff out of the creek. It inhibits a little bit, uh, although... As it pushes out and gets further, you will find those uh, what we call like defined lines. You can actually see them clear as a bell. One side is clear, one side is dirty. And along those lines there, you will get patches of bait, and the the tuna will always be on the clearer side of that line.
0: And that's, uh, I mean, obviously that's where they're going to be feeding because they are a a fish that has no swim bladder, therefore they've got to uh, keep eating. They've got to eat a third of their body weight every
1: day. Otherwise. Hang on a second. That's a bit like Paul Burt. He doesn't stop eating. I, I, I tell you, you, you what. Going.
0: I have a swim bladder. <laughs> bec- I have a swim bladder because I know when I jump in the water I float. I'm like an island. I've had. I'm so. I've had a pelican land on my belly, but no. Look, <laughs> you know, and, and then four seagulls. But look, mate. It is one of those things
1: that that's a pelican <laughs> riding a pelican. I've never seen that. <laughs> Jesus.
0: What is this program? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Good on you, mate. But, you know, it is one of those things that, you know, those. I, I've totally lost my train of thought. But when, you're, um, when you are fishing for those particular fish, the lures and the bait fish, you've got to match the hatch, don't you?
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. And, and depending on what time of year, through, through early spring into summer, the bait fish will get bigger. So early on in the season, you only might use a 5- or 10-gram bait profile metal lure, on really light gear when you're catching those two or three kilo skipjacks. Yeah. But then later on in the season, as they get bigger and you'll get bullmouth fillies come through and, and and sardines and things like that, depending on where you are in the country, you might be fishing up to a 50 or 70 gram type of profile.
0: Man, that's, yeah, you're up in the ante. And of course, gear like that, you're not throwing a you know a two to four kilo or a four to eight kilo outfit. No. You're sort of going eight to 12, 10 to 15.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. Like, if you're on the coast of Tassie down there and you're fishing for, you know, 20-kilo tuna down there, you need some gear. Or whether you're up in Harvey Bay, like we were, and you're fishing little three, four-kilo skipjack tuna, you know, the, the, the two-kilo, three-kilo gear with 10-pound, with 12-pound leader, mate, that's a ball of fun. You take the kids out, small lures, screaming reels, just a bunch of fun.
0: And that's what it's all about, you know, getting out there and having a crack. And, of course, as I was saying before, the tuna does not have a swim bladder, right, unlike myself. And, of course, what it does is it it, it has the fish, it's got to eat. It's got to eat a third of its body weight every day because if it doesn't, it runs out of energy and then sinks and gets eaten by a shark. I mean, it's a pretty cruel life, but they've got to keep moving.
1: They've got to, they can't stop. That's a very valid point, keeping moving. like, And that's a massive part of the challenge when you're chasing these fish and trying oh, to catch them. Yeah. You know, we, we experienced it when we were up there at Harvey Bay. You know, you, you see them pop up 200 metres ahead of you and you arc out and around so you don't, spook the school with your boat you go out and round and back in and you might have to travel 500 meters to get to the school and by the time you're there they're already gone again so like you just it's like a cat and mouse game you just keep chasing and casting and chasing and casting and chasing and casting and it's quite exhilarating and fun when the conditions are you know like 25 knots like we had uh you know blowing your hat off and you could you could cast into the wind and we were spooling the whole spool with the wind so it was kind of a crazy crazy day but incredible fun.
0: And, mate, that is just what it's all about, isn't it? You know, working out what the fish are doing and enjoying yourself regardless of the conditions, although the conditions that weekend was absolutely bloody horrendous. <laughs> mate, um tell, tell me, of course, um, you know, when you are targeting tuna, you've got to move upstream. Do the arc around them. Now, people at home, is have a look at what the tuna are doing. Okay, if they're moving... Yep. Uh, normally into the wind is when they're, f- they're feeding that way, that direction. You don't yep. want to carve through the school. And p- other anglers out there, this is the worst thing to do, or even jet ski fishermen, is that you are fishing a school and then some turkey comes flying up through the middle and just sounds everything. Because the fish are already, you know, they're, they're, they're feeding, they're looking, they're on the move, and they'll sound. And what sound means is they hit the deck, they go down deep, then they'll pop up half a kilometre away somewhere else, and then you're, yep. then you're on the hunt. You're, you're the one that they're avoiding. Okay, but yeah. you want to be their friend. You want to you want to get to them. So, go around the school of fish into the wind, head upwind, and then shut your engine off and be quiet. Now, the wind, quite simple, is going to push you towards the school. The school will yeah. come to you because you're dead quiet. You're going to get a cast into the fish when they're feeding onto the bait.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and at the end of the day, like, it's all about anticipation. You're trying to anticipate where they're going to pop up in the current line. So you might be fishing an area where you can visibly see a current line yeah. and and also the birds. The birds will always fly up ahead of the tuna and they'll anticipate where the tuna is. Because they're, they're like a drone. They're up in the sky above the tuna and they can see the tuna and we can't. So we've got to put two and two together. We've got to look at where the current lines are and where the tuna are heading to, also where the birds are. So then we can manoeuvre our boat out and around, and we might have to travel 500 metres mm. as fast as we can, but out and around where the school's going so you don't spook them. Yeah. And then you, you turn engines off, you, you drift back into them, and, you know, it's it's a cat-and-mouse game. You might do that nine times, and you might only succeed once, which is the normal style of tuna. Like, yeah, they're everywhere. They, they travel... At you know 20, 30, 40 kilometers an hour underwater, they travel much easier than you in a boat. So it's it's a, it's a challenge, which is fun,
0: mate. It is a challenge, and of course, when you look at it that way, uh, you know I got, got to say this as well because I do have my pet pelican with me that comes with me everywhere on my belly. Is that you know if you release the birds and you follow them because look, the birds have an acute sense of smell. <laughs> You're an idiot, right? And and when they have this acute sense of smell, is that they they are always. Flying into the wind a majority of times because the smell of bait. Now, I know you do, and I know I have. If you walk out into a headland, you can tell if there's a mull away feeding on the headland. You can yeah. tell because they stink. You yeah. can smell them. And then you can smell if there's bait fish in the area out at sea if they're being smacked up because you can smell the oil in the air. You can yeah. feel, it smells like tuna oil coming straight up your nostrils. And the birds yeah. are picking the birds are picking that up. So if you can't smell it, the birds can still sense it. So the idea is. The mutton birds or the brown ones that are really good pilots, and they fly like a half a millimeter off the uh, the water's edge, dodging between the swells and the sets. Yep. And then you have got the white turns. Those white turns are my friends. They're the ones I like yep. because they're Certainly. the they're the ones that are really gauging, and they're direct. They're generally high, and then they'll come down low when they're about to feed. So they're the ones you really want to look for, right?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And it, and you touched on a very good point there. The smell of the fish. People mightn't realize at home who haven't really experienced it that that. You know, you can picture, everyone's seen on TV where there's where there's schools of bait fish on the beach and there's a bunch of sharks smashing through them. And that happens out in the middle of the ocean. So where, wherever you are and those bait schools, they can be, you know, an acre in diameter plus. But when the tuna are there, there might be 200, 300, 400 tuna all smashing into that school. And what we see in the water is the scales. So all the scales off the bait fish are floating and glittering through the water. And you'll often see that before you see the tuna or, you, or before you see something else. And you can see, you know, that's where the smell comes from. All these little tiny fish just getting obliterated by the tuna and where we ended up smelling that. I
0: want to talk about eating quality of tuna. Now, you know, we, we've travelled, been fortunate enough to travel around the planet fishing. And I've noticed if you're in a Pacific Isle where you, you're off the edge of the reef, it drops down to, you know, I guess, you know, to call it 3,000 metres, okay? Oblivion. Really, oblivion. <laughs> deep, deep water, right? Horribly deep water. And it's it's abyss. It's dark purple and colours, and you look at it and you go, oh, that's beautiful coloured water, but, geez, that's deep. But the bait fish they had to get there, they don't get the, the white pillies. They don't get the frogmouth pillies. They don't get those real, I guess, uh, or even normal pillies, but they do get a lot of oceanic fish, such as gar, such as flying yeah. fish. Now, you don't get that oily yeah. fish. Now, what I have noticed is that when we eat yellowfin caught off our coastline anywhere around the country that I've fished, is that um, you'll find that fish is exceptionally fishy, mm. really, really fishy, beautiful yellowfin. Yeah. And you have a look at the meat when you carve it up. You get rid of the bloodline. You've you've bled him. Uh, and yeah. when you carve it up, you get the, the meat is still red, right? Yeah. But it's a lighter red. It hasn't got the blood in it. But it's taste oily, taste pilchardy, taste fishy. But then when you go to the Pacific Islands and you carve up a yellowfin and it's being bled, same deal as what you do yep. here, is the the meat is pink, and super yep. pink, super beautiful colour, and no no smell, and that's yeah. the diet of the fish, right? Is that yep. you you eat you eat the fish, and you're eating what they're eating. So there's yep. close in tuna that we catch generally a, an oily tasting fish and and you shouldn't put that down in everyone you shouldn't put that down to your experience of a good tasting fish you you can experience it you can have it of course and you're going to taste it but until you taste a proper oceanic tuna you will not understand the difference the magnitude is a thousand times better having one of those deep water pacific uh tunas man it it is incredible and it's it's a hard fish to find too you go to a shop they're going to Charge you an arm and a leg, but you still don't oh, yeah. really know until you until you taste it. You've got to compare both to understand it.
1: Yeah, certainly, and 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 it's like the the little skipjacks that we have up up in the Harvey Bay area where we were fishing. Yeah, you know they're they're a very nice table fish. They're a very clean fish. Yeah. Um, I think age has a massive part of that. So you know a, a young two or three year old skipjack might be only two or three kilos, and and you fill it one of them after bleeding it, and it's and it's almost opaque white Correct. pinky flesh it's really nice and it yeah. and it turns a little bit gray when you cook it but it's still a very clean tasting fish compared to something like we get around the gold coast here like you know the good old faithful mac tuna yeah. and they're red red as a red sky you know they're just terrible you people know? love uh, to eat mac tuna some
0: people love
1: some <laughs> i've got a couple some... of mates who love mac tuna and and, oh. and like <sighs> i've got my cat murphy here on the couch and he's the only person i know who's really into mac tuna <laughs>
0: the cat. The cat. Yeah, that's it. I mean, people people do love them. They they cook them in a specific way, but then again, people love anchovies. So, look. Good luck to them. Good absolutely, absolutely. No disrespect. If you love if you love eating that, then well done to you. Uh, and if we catch yeah. too many, more than happy to give you one.
1: Um, happy to give it away. I, I, know. I do
0: recall a I recall a time many many years ago. I'm talking thirty years ago, maybe even longer. Thirty five years ago. Is that uh, when I was about one year old? Anyway, so I was out there and I caught these mac tuna, right? And I and I was targeting sharks and I also salted the mac tuna. I filled them up, salt the meat up for for bait for my tailor and also for brim. So I caught these big mac tuna; they were about eight, nine, maybe ten kilos, solid barrels, and I put them into the uh, engine well. Now back then, you know, my boat was pretty dodgy. <laughs> You know, there's fuel and oil leak and all that crap leaking out over the fish and sitting there and it was horrible. It'd been baked. It was warm and then cold and warm. It was just absolutely horrible. Anyway, I get back to the boat ramp and a couple of uh, people from one of the other countries come out to me and said, uh, you know, what are you doing with those fish? I'm like, I like, can't put the accent on, right? Put, what are do you doing with those fish? I said, oh, no, they're just you know, for, for, for bait. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. I'll have them. And I, I said, you know what? You take them. So I gave them his, these fish. And, um, mate, he came down to the boat ramp the next week when I was out. I came back in again. And, mate, this guy, he, he loved them. He adored them. He smoked them. That's what he did. I asked him. I said, mate, what would you do with the fish? I said, because that was my bait. But I wanted him to try because I'd never tried a Mac tuna. I thought I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But he smoked them and he said they were absolutely delicious and he mowed a smoked pie out of them. So, I don't know. I thought they were already marinated I, in fuel.
1: I reckon he was smoking something else if he, was, if he thinks MacTuner is great, mate.
0: Come on. <laughs> I reckon right. I never saw him on the third week return, though, anyway.
1: Mate. <laughs> hey, I'll, uh, st- I'll stick to me, uh, yellow yellowfin, thanks. No worries. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, mate.
0: Hey, tell me about Lewis size, Match the Hatch.
1: That look at the end of the day, anything uh, will catch a tuna, uh, you know. We like us. We were, we were targeting smaller tuna up, there, tuna up at Harvey Bay, and we could actually see in the water these little tiny baitfish, but they're actually like fry. They were tiny. They were literally only 15 to 20 millimetres long. And there were, there were millions of them. Millions. Just The water was coloured with tiny, tiny fry. And, and, and to be honest, I don't know what they were. I couldn't quite kind of tell. They were too small to work out what they actually were. But, you know, at the end of the day, that was an experience for us because we had trouble trying to catch the fish, and we kept going down in lure size, and and eventually got them to bite. And then we found, a, you know, only a twenty-five, thirty grammer would would work. The bigger ones that we started with, because of the wind was howling, we used bigger lures in the wind. Uh, that didn't work, so we had to go down in size, and then we got fish. So it's a it's a prime example of sometimes smaller is better. <laughs>
0: I just got busted. I just got absolutely busted.
1: See, There's your swim bladder again. You just fill it up,
0: mate. I just got because abs- I know you're like a little, uh, like a, like a wind up toys, right? Is that I, I, I turn the, I turn the knob, and you just start talking, and you talk forever. So I, I left the studio, I raced out and grabbed myself some, a packet of um, salted chips. Come back in. And I'm, so, I'm still thinking you're talking away, so I start eating and the, next the, the microphone goes red. Yep, you're back on. I'm thinking, holy crap, I've got a mouthful of chips. Sorry, oh, mate. Well. I don't even know what you said, but I'll tell you what, it would have been informative, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's just roll with it. I was, it. I is, was going is, to make a cup is, of coffee and then
0: come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, this is a side podcast. If you're not listening to this and, I don't know, go listen to something else.
1: Hey, mate. Mate, you haven't, you haven't lived if you're not listening to this.
0: Yeah, no, this is raw.
1: This is real. That's what I love about it. <laughs> That's why, we, that's why
0: we like fishing, mate. Hey, um, so we've talked about match the hatch because I hope that's what you just spoke about. Yep. But also, thank you. So what about line class and leader? Because leader is a big thing uh, when we are turning yep. around and, and working out, can the fish see your leader? Fluorocarbon, carbon, supple against hard trace. You've got your tough yeah, traces okay. and, of course, you've got your supple traces. Tell me the difference.
1: Look, at the end of the day, I, I don't have too much drama with tuna. They don't really bite you off. One thing in Harvey Bay this time of year, you've got to be a bit careful with your leader because there's some big fish up there amongst those tuners. Like even the day we were there, there was some, some stonking blow-ups on the surface that must have been mackerel, we thought. Uh, and so it's probably good even on your light gear to run, you know, Err on the side of caution and, and run a bit of 20 pound just in case you hook something good and you have to chase it for a while. But primarily on our light little tuna, any, anything, we we're only running 10 pound leader, 10 and 12 pound um, braid with 10 pound, 15 pound leader. And then as the fish get bigger later on in the season, uh, depending on what type of tuna you're chasing, go up from there.
0: And uh, obviously there's a variety of traces. And I know at like Anaconda, for example, they've got a fantastic array of leader from Shimano's Tiagra all the way through to your Black Magic traces, Now, the Black Magic does have the like, Tiagra stuff's awesome for, uh, for for putting your lures on, such as even skirts, et cetera, or live yep. baiting. It's a very soft yep. line. I like it. Um, highly non-abrasive, which is perfect. And also your uh, Black Magic leaders. I like those because they do come in supple and tough. So if you're after your kidneys yeah. and you're working a, an area or even casting poppers like you and I have done out around the Swains Reefs and other barrier reef places – Targeting oh, sure. big yeah. fish, yeah, you need to have, you need to have that that um, fluorocarbon that's going to be super tough against uh, reef. That's not just going to yep. nick and break. Uh, and of course, that's where the tough trace comes into play. It's it's a lot heavier and and heavy duty to tie knots with and all that. And it's obviously the FGS and all that come into play. But yeah. when, when you are using that supple, it's a beautiful soft line, and I think that's what I would prefer over tuna. Uh, to use, particularly if you're casting that you know, 20-gram or a 40-gram or an 80-gram stick bait or even 140-gram stick bait, is that you're going to use yep. that line that's going to leave no impression on the water in front of the lure.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because they, they do get spooky, and I, and I think that's a valid fact. Sometimes the fish are just on and they'll hit anything, and other times you, you need to make it and present the lure as best you can because they are a bit shy. And if someone's been fishing there. The same morning as you, and they've already mm. pulled two or three fish out of the school. You know, you got to you got to have the advantage in your your court. So, depending on whether they're they're a bit shy or not, you know, change change the letter up.
0: And you got to work it out. There's um, you know, we've got across the eastern seaboard of the country. We've got the highest amount of registered boats per capita in the southern hemisphere. Like everywhere's just busy. That's so, right. Yeah. So, and when tuna are about, the birds are diving, the fish are on the surface. You know, everyone gets excited, uh, particularly mm. as, a, as an angler or a boaty or a kayaker or a jet ski fisherman, is that you, you want to get to the zone. You want to get into that impact area to, to yeah, hook up. Sure. And when you're in there, then you worry about sharks. But when you're in there is to uh, to have everything set up perfectly. Make sure your drag set up. Per- first things first, you've got the right gear. Drag set up, yeah. your leaders and your knots, everything's secure. And, of course, and then have a game plan. What do you do when you get the fish back to your jet ski, your kayak, or to the boat? Do you have a net? Do you have a gaff? Yep. Where are you going to put yeah. the fish? How are you going to hold on to it if it's a big one? What if something else comes up and tries to eat it around the boat, which happens quite regularly? <laughs> it um, happens a lot. What do you do? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, and I'll tell you what. <laughs> Some of the experience I've seen with a tuna, having tuna around the, the back of the boat, and you've seen this down at the nine-mile northern Tweed Heads off uh, northern New South Wales, is that you pull a tuna in. It could be 10, 15 kilo, 20 kilo yellowfin, whatever. It gets up beside the boat, and you could have like a 10 or 12-foot you know, bronzy beside it. Wanting to eat it, just a bucket full of teeth, and these oh, things yeah. are huge. And mate, they turn on themselves. Like there is no way that you're going to get out of these things' way if they're coming at you.
1: Like th- no, they... no, not at all. It's, it's very True. similar to Paul Burt chasing after a potato chip, really. But uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's pretty crazy stuff. <laughs> I've got to get another packet. <laughs> what else can I set you up on? oh uh, no, good. Mate, but tell... that, that's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem with tuna. Like okay. you know. If you get onto a school of tuna that may be five or 10 kilo and you're only still fishing with your light 10 pound gear, the sharks are a big problem. There's times in Harvey Bay where you just got to get to them. You know, you have to fish heavier gear to be able to get them to the boat before the sharks smash them to pieces. So that's a, another thing to think about, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, it is. And um, tell me the cooking process because fish can cook themselves, particularly long tail tuna. Now, that's a species we haven't hit on yet, and generally around. You know, Easter, they, they come down to, uh, you know, along the eastern seaboard and they're a beautiful, fun fish to catch. They love eating gar, they love eating skit poppers, and they love eating stick baits. These particular yep. tuna, they cook themselves from the inside out if you don't get them in quick enough. Yeah. Which is, which yeah. is an issue.
1: I guess you can write it back to exercise for us humans. You know, when you exercise, you build up a lactic lactic acid. That's why your legs hurt when you go for a mountain mountain hike or something, you know. And at the end of the day, tuna are no different. So if you're fighting... Uh, a large tuna on light tackle for 35 minutes, that fish is going to be stressed. It's going to be hammered. And it's probably not going to taste as good as a fish that you'd hook and bring in straight away. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a two different things here. Like there's recreational fishing where we're catching release with the kids and having fun. And you know, you might take one home and and let 10 go, uh, and you know you want to catch that one that you're taking home on a little bit heavier gear. It's not as fun, but at least then the fish is in quickly. Yep. It's, you're able to to put it put it to to sleep and bleed it as quick as possible, and then the flesh is going to be as good as it could
0: possibly be. Bleeding a fish, I like to a couple of different ways um, that I tend to do is I cut both sides of the tail down on the, the back end, uh, and then'll I'll stab underneath each side of the pectoral, yep. um, going into the backbone, and then I'll cut his throat but also at the same time is um, I'll do that and then you know, obviously you, know, you can spike him out uh, and I kind yep. of got great hand spikes um, yeah, they, and spi- fantastic. yeah spike the fish um, you want to you don't want him to bump around everywhere because he's going to bruise his meat and, and obviously that just it's you know, not a nice way you'll have to discard that bit of meat uh, yep. but you know getting all the blood away from the meat And the flesh is super important. So bleeding, and you can bleed fish. You can bleed all your fish like that if you want. Just discard and get rid of—I should say—get rid of all the meat, all the blood out of that meat. Otherwise, it can taste pretty horrible.
1: Yeah, certainly. It's a—it's a massive, massive uh, thing to do to all fish. I think Um, you know we've all had plenty of fish that we've maybe not bled them as good as we should, or just not—you know—even not bled them. Just chuck them straight in the esky. With with ice and yeah. they're not as good even when it comes to comes to the normal common fish of flathead and brim and the rest of it. Yeah. They all taste better when you drain them out. And that's something that uh, tuna especially yeah. uh, will hold a lot of blood in their in their flesh if you yeah. don't if you don't drain them out.
0: Yeah, that's it. And of course sashimi, great way to do a good shoulder of tuna.
1: Yeah, beautiful.
0: And you can also Absolutely. bake them. You can uh, fry them. You can breadcrumb them. You can do a million different dishes
1: with tuna. It's a um, good uh, way to do it. Me personally, a hundred percent is sesame encrusted tuna. It's really, really easy to do. It's ultra quick. You know, in five minutes, you've got an amazing meal. Tell us how do you do that, Tim? Well, it's really, really simple. It's, uh, it's like you're rolling a, a normal piece of fish in some egg and a little bit of flour um then i re-egg it again and then i all i do cook my sesame seeds first and then i just roll the egg floured tuna in oh. sesame and i cook it in the hot pan maybe about a minute per side if you're doing a fairly squarish bit of tuna uh, which is often the case when you when you ch- chop a chunk off wow. um you know you want it nice and pink in the center and mm. It's a very simplistic, easy way to cook it and it literally takes you under five minutes. That, uh, with a salad, mate, perfection.
0: There you have it, everybody. That's Timmy, a.k.i. Fish Guy, or Timmy the Tuna. In fact, if Tim's out fishing with us on next week's show, whatever we're catching, he'll be Timmy the Flathead, Timmy the Brim, Tim whatever. <laughs> mate, always always a pleasure to talk to you, mate. And I do have to go. Always My pet fun. pelican is, uh, and his seagull mates need to be fed, so I'm out of here.
1: No worries, mate. Have a lovely afternoon and we'll see you... On the
0: boat. Yep, good on you, mate. There you have it, everyone. That's uh, Timmy Harris there talking to us, of course, all about catching tuna. And hopefully you learned something from that because, you know, it is all about getting out there, stepping outside, doing it successfully. If you can give us some ideas and tips, that'll help you next time succeed. And have a bloody great time whilst you're doing it. And as I love to say, right here on our Step Outside with Paul Burt podcast, may your rod bend, everybody, and have a good day. should you see the sides of that thing? Now, if you're going to be out there fishing and you're illegally doing it, you should be trying a pen for a crab pot. I'd have to say, if you're going to use a long shank hook, great for whiting, perfect for yabbies, not the best for live baits, such as a herring. Oh, come on, mate. You're joking, aren't you? That's abs- that's, that's rubbish, you know. do put yourself in a fishing line here. Now, that's a catch. That is a quality catch. Well done, champion.